that everything is going to be smooth sailing from now on. In fact, experience has shown me that often the enemy will attack with a new strategy right after there's been a great victory. Many times, Satan will use that period of time to set up fresh roadblocks in our lives. Now, thankfully, we have learned skills which will help protect us from some of his schemes and let us to continue to stand strong as we move forward with God. Now, there's an old saying that says, or something to the effect that we ought to be watchful after we get the victory, that we ought to be just as watchful after the victory as we were before the battle. It warns us to not just throw caution to the wind, thinking that, well, we've arrived because we've managed to win over this situation in our life. Life is not a playground. It's a battleground. Different rules apply on the battleground than apply on the playground. The Bible tells us that we wrestle in a war, in spiritual struggles, warfare against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So as we enter 2021, I believe we should be careful to keep our guards up, to continually guard our lives with the Word of God and with prayer. When I was a child in school, things were a little bit different than they are now. In fact, they're probably a lot different than they are now. When the parking lot would be cleared in the winter, there'd be this huge pile of snow that we pushed together at the end of the parking lot. And somehow or other, during recess or lunch breaks, the children would all come outside and we had managed to separate into two opposing teams, and we'd start fighting for ownership of the peak of the hill. Now, once we took the hill, of course, it had to be defended against the other team, and almost anything went during the battle, including pushing, tripping, flying snowballs, along with setting some of the smaller players to keep guard. If the opposing players would try to storm the hill, then we would be alerted and be able to focus on that area, the area that was under attack, and hopefully be able to repel the invaders and keep the hill and end up claiming that hill as our hill. Well, the Word of God is our early warning system. It is our guard, it is our defense against the enemy. When we walk in the light of God's Word and His promises, we don't fall victim to the enemy's devices because the Word tells us that His Word is a light unto our path. So the Word of God will reveal the path that is laying before our feet. The Word of God will show us or expose the pitfalls and the traps that are there. The Word of God is what will cause us to be able to sing that my soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Because it is the Word of God that has revealed to us the tricks and the traps that the enemy would try to use. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8 of the New King James Version, it says, Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, when we spend time in the Word of God, we are alert. Our discernment level arises. Our discernment about where the enemy is trying to sneak in is better. Now, our nature is to let our guard down once we feel we have finally won or that we've come to the place of having endured. But if we've been believing God for certain things and then we finally receive our victory, we have a tendency to want to let down our guards. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, what of the modern King James says, So let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So really what the Scripture is instructing us to do is to be careful. We think we have won. We think we've got the victory. We think we have moved through it now that those are the times that we need to watch and we need to be careful that we are able to stand should there be something else coming around that we weren't ready for. 
See, during the celebration time when we're rejoicing and praising God for our victory, it is wisdom to set out the sentries to guard the territories that the enemy cannot come in unawares. It is wisdom to stay watchful. It is wisdom to continue to search after God and his spirit and to say, okay, God, we are so thankful that you have brought us here, but we want to be open to what's coming down next. Now, the Bible shares an account of the prophet Elijah when he let down his guard. In 1 Kings, verse 18, now his lapse of faith came right after the great victory. Elijah went up to Mount Carmel with God, and he defeated the prophets of Baal. Now, I'm sure we have heard the story where he built the altar and the prophets of Baal went first and they started calling upon Baal that he was supposed to show himself by fire. But Elijah built the altar. He put the sacrifice in the wood. He poured water all over it. And he began to pray. Now, as the prophets of Baal were jumping and cutting themselves and yelling, Elijah began to mock them and say, like, maybe you should yell louder. Maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he's gone away. And when he got up and he prayed and the fire fell and it consumed the whole offering, it consumed the altar, it consumed the water that was in the ditches. He then turned around and he killed the 450 prophets of Baal, 1 Kings 18.40. Now you would think that was a pretty major victory. God had shown himself strong. He had been there when he was being called upon. He had answered with fire. Then Elijah went up to Mount Carmel and he began to pray and the end of the drought came. They had things that were finished. He had defeated the powers that were turning the nation away from the true and the living God. He had prayed and the drought had ended. But Elijah didn't guard himself after his victory. I believe he came to a point where he thought, okay, it's over, now we have won. Well, the story continues that when Queen Jezebel heard what Elijah had done to her prophets, that she sent a messenger to tell him, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So in other words, what Queen Jezebel was doing is she sent a little message to Elijah, and she says, By tomorrow at this time, either let the gods kill me or let you be dead. So it was a death threat. Now, having experienced this great victory, you would think Elijah would sort of shake it off and move on. And yet after this great victory, this man of God ran in fear because of the queen's threat. I am convinced that Elijah had not been opened or aware of the enemy's tricks. I'm sure he expected there's going to be clear sailing now. The prophets of Baal were disposed of. But let's learn from Elijah's experience. After having called fire from heaven, why would he be worried about Queen Jezebel? If God could deliver him on the mountaintop, would God not be able to take care of him in the valley? But because Elijah had not guarded himself with the promises of God, he began to expect the worst, and he ran in fear. Now, God has demonstrated his power to us throughout 2020. Now we feel we are turning a corner, but we need to remember that if another attack comes, God is still God, God is still on the throne, and God will still be able to demonstrate that same power to us in any other situation or problem that wants to come along. See, the New Testament also gives us an account of where Jesus' disciples made the same mistake that Elijah made. 
They saw Jesus turning water into wine at the marriage of Cana, and John 10, 1-11 tells us that story. They were there when Jesus was healing the lepers and the blind men. With their own eyes they saw, and with their own hands they participated in the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes. They were part of it. They saw it happen. They saw what worked. They saw the power of God. And yet then a day later, Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side of the lake in Mark 4, verse 35. And after they all got into the ship, Jesus fell asleep in the stern. Now while he slept, a storm came up and the disciples became afraid. They were fearful. In fact, they thought they were going to drown. So they woke Jesus and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It's in verse 38 of the New King James Version. Well, it reminds me of when we have to face situations that we don't want to face. Things have come along. We have thought we were on a smooth road now. We thought everything was finished. We had taken care of it. We had done everything we could. And then something jumps up unexpectedly, and rather than turn to God and say, okay, God, what would you have me do here? We start spouting out little things like, oh, God, why did you let this happen to me? Or, God, don't you love me anymore? Or, what's going on? See, we know that the love of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The love of God for us has not changed when the sun is shining or when the rain is coming. The love of God is the same for us. It endures forever. And just because situations have come that we didn't like to handle does not mean that the love of God has gone away one iota. God is still there. His love is unchanging. And just because we feel like we are being blessed doesn't mean that God has loved us more at that point. Many times, I believe, when God takes us through situations where he wants us to grow or he wants us to learn, instead of embracing the thing and saying, well, Father, I thank you that you love me enough to chastise me. I thank you, Father, that you love me enough to teach me. We end up getting bitter. We end up getting angry. We end up getting disappointed. And instead of rejoicing and praising God that he is the same, we begin to cry and we begin to complain and we begin to carry on and throw ourselves a little temper tantrum. Well, we wouldn't allow that type of act or those type of actions from our own children, and yet we expect that God should be quite fine with us just throwing our little temper tantrums. I believe God is looking for us to mature. He wants to be able to grow up and to recognize, to use our faith, to recognize that He is there, whether we have sensed His presence today or not. See, we don't seem to realize that God sees all the trouble we are in before we ever even tell him about it. He wants to find out what we're going to do while we go through that difficult time. Now, I am a firm believer in believing that God is often more interested in what is happening in us than is what is happening around us. See, what is happening in us can have eternal consequences for us. If our hearts become hard, if our hearts turn bitter, if we allow a root of bitterness to grow, if we begin to hold on to unforgiveness, it can cause something to spoil on the inside of us. The situations that are around us, they can change in the moment in the blink of an eye. One word from God and it's all gone. We see that when the disciples were there. They woke Jesus and he stood up and said, peace, be still. And the storm was over. See, when God is with us, one word can change the situations around us. But it is us that is going to have to be able to change the things that are going on in our heart. 
We are the ones that are going to have to forgive. We are the ones that have to let go. We are the ones that have to renew our minds with the Word of God. Those are the situations that we have to take care of. And I believe often God is looking to see how many of those things we're willing to implement when things aren't going so good. See, Jesus immediately quieted the storm, then he turns to his disciples and he said, Why are you so fearful? He was trying to get the disciples to see that when their faith is anchored in God and in his word, that there is no room for fear. When God is there, fear cannot survive. When faith is in our hearts, fear cannot fulfill its jobs. So how often do we catch ourselves making the very same mistake that the disciples made? We start out walking in God's victory plan for our lives. We are living right. We are obeying the word. We are rejoicing. But when the storms of life show up, we take our eyes off God and we begin to look at the boisterous winds of the tests and the trials. All of a sudden we're overcome because we hear another evil report or we hear another bad report or we hear this or we hear that. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for failure. We need to keep looking at God. We need to keep knowing that he is the one that is going to carry us through this. He is the one that can speak that word, peace, and still the storms that are going on in our own heart. There is a sense of relief that 2020 is coming to an end. But I do not believe it is the time to let our guard down. We have got to keep on fighting the good fight of faith because as long as we're on this earth, the enemy is going to keep on trying to defeat us. We hear that scientists have developed vaccines and people are beginning to relax because help is on the way. Now it's great, but the true help is already here. Whether the vaccine has wicked side effects or not really isn't even the issue. We still need to depend on God and upon his word. No test, no trial, no circumstance is too hard for our Father. Now if we look to God's word in every situation, we will know what to do. We will be able to come out the victor. We will be able to fulfill his plan for our lives. But we need to keep looking to him and draw near to him. So just continue to trust God to do for you what he has promised. Keep your faith in God and expect the best. Don't become overconfident in yourself. Don't become overconfident in scientific breakthroughs. Your victories come because you are in Christ, not because of your own strength, not because of the wisdom of this world. Your victory is here because your hope is in Jesus. So I want to encourage you as we come out of 2020, keep your guards up, keep yourself full of the Word, keep yourself full of the presence of the Holy Spirit, spend your time praying in the Spirit daily, Spend your time searching after God's ways. And know that whatever situation comes, you're going through it with him. He has not left you alone. He will not leave you alone. He is there. And know that with him, all things are possible. In Jesus' name. So Father, as we come to the end of 2020, we want to thank you for your hand throughout this year. We thank you that you have shown yourself strong on so many different ways, and we thank you for the testimonies that we have heard from this congregation about how you have been there for them, how you have caused new doors to open and new ways to be laid.
We thank you, Father, that you have been faithful. So we look to you now, Father, and as we come to the end of 2020, we look for your presence to guide us through 2021. We thank you, Father, that there is a power within your people, that the church can rise up together, unite in prayer, and come against this death cult that is trying to run this nation, to come against the spirit of death and to release life into all of those situations. We want to thank you, Father, even right now, that Jesus is the Lord of life, that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we receive that life from him, Father. And even though we recognize that there is an attack, that there is a virus that is running around, we recognize, Father, that we will still trust you in every situation at every time. Should someone become infected, Father, we thank you that the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will overcome the power of sin and death. We give you praise for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.